You're listening to the City Lights Equipping Podcast, where we are helping you identify your next step in exalting Jesus and extending the kingdom of heaven right where you are. If this podcast encourages or challenges you, please leave us feedback on our iTunes channel and share on your social media to help more people discover the very same things that are stirring you in your walk with the Lord. Oh my goodness, it's Podcast Wednesday! <laughs> you know what's going on. We're in the upper, 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 upper room at City Lights offices. You are listening to the City Lights Equipping what Podcast. What a great feel this is on Wednesday. What a feely oh, vibe Wednesday. Yep. Yep. And I just consistently have beats and rhythms going on in my soul. I think that's why I just oh. opened up that way. Didn't I didn't plan for do. it, but I just felt it. I think most people... Well, I would are actually. Are we listening? Are we not I will listening to the beats? That. I rhythms. don't think that everybody has rhythm in them. Actually, I really? know that people don't have rhythm in them because I talk to them about it. When I'm at a concert, I'm like, "Do you feel that?" And they're like, "Feel what?" I'm like, "Never Time, mind." Pace, or when we're rhythm? walking, or they hear something, or see something, or smell something, I'm like, "Oh, you feel that?" Like, no. But I think we're talking about the difference already, by the way, of thinking and feeling, and we've yep. talked about that on podcast. Big time. And, and it, you know, hey, whatever your DNA is, we're glad that you're listening right now. Our hope is that. This City Lights podcast for equipping specifically will help you understand where you're at with God, where you're at with your relationship with Him. He's your creator. He's also the one who's rescued you. He's, oh my goodness, we will just continually discover Him and rediscover Him both now and forever. He's the mystery that is not locked up mysterious as though it's a closed door. He's the mystery that There's, it's it's like walking in a room and the room always gets bigger and brighter and more beautiful. Yeah. You always find more there. And that's exactly. that's why we're here. That's there's why so we're on podcast. There's so much to talk about. We could have this podcast for eternity because there's so much to talk it's about. true. I heard a pastor say it's a great point. You know, when you're in high school or your early adolescence, discovering the world in your own personal identity. And a lot of times it's kind of like, oh, well, you're a faith person or you're a Christian. And so therefore you can't drink, smoke and, you know, have premarital sex. And, and and that's the language and rhetoric that says hmm. that Christians aren't free. When you look at it, there's so much more room to be righteous and to discover yeah. creation yep. and life and beauty and fullness and richness. I just look at, turn the table and look at the question of who's in the cell based right. on, you know, or myself based on, you know, the territory that you can in the kingdom hmm. explore in purity and in power and excitement. There's so much more to do with God than there is without him. That's true. Yeah, that's kind of my point. It's, we're ever discovering that. We'll ever discover him specifically, not just his stuff. But him, the maker mm-hmm. of all things, with all of his people, all of his created things. You know, if you're just joining us today on this podcast, and for some reason you clicked on this one first, this is a second installment in a three-part contribution or installment or episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we are going to get to the topic of connection within mm-hmm. the bigger topic of community. Last time was Christ-centeredness. Today is going to be connection. Next time is going to be communication. And uh, Oliver and I, we always yeah. love talking about some sort of relevant issue. NBA just started yesterday. Couldn't be more And, thrilled. you know, because we'd like to talk about the Gordon Hayward injury and what happened, I believe, I'm just throwing this over to you right now, mm. it's going to be a beautiful picture of connection because we were both watching it. So we'll let's it. tell the story, but the connection is going to be really loud here. So just in case mm. you're a listener and you fast forward through our fun talks about culture and things that we love and what's going on, don't fast forward because this is yeah. going to be a relevant topic. If, so if you missed it, Oliver, bring us in because you were watching the game before me. Yeah, if you don't watch the NBA, which I, in the South, if you live in the South where we live, um, a lot of more people prefer, especially in this time of year, college football. Mm-hmm. So I'm not assuming anything in terms of background of NBA, but you know, if you've heard anything in the NBA recently, the, Gold, the Golden State Warriors have been the gold standard of the league. And the big question is the opener of the season happened, which they did play the Rockets along with the Cavs playing the Celtics, both Cavs and Warriors, you know, um, being in the finals from last year were the opening events. The big question is, there are lots of trades that went on over the summer. And the Huge big question is, 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 were those trades enough to outweigh or to challenge or compete with what seems to be the inevitable, the undisputable, the undefeatable Golden State Warriors from the in last the la- really in the last three, three years, three, three to four years, um, depending on how you look. Yeah, at the it. three last three NBA Finals yeah. featured those two teams. Right. So, so big night because um, a lot of the Cavs, the Cavs looked really different. You know, even the Warriors picked up this guy, Swaggy P, this Lakers guy who actually had six out of seven threes. Yeah, it was amazing. Shot, shot amazing, Nick Young from the Lakers. Um, uh, they played against the Rockets, who picked up Chris Paul as a top all-star guy. And then the Cavs looked different. They had Derrick Rose and, you know, some other names as well. And then the big event, which is what I was Chris mentioned earlier with Gordon Hayward. Um, Gordon Hayward is, you know, he's, I mean, maybe un, unspoken in this way is, is the great white hype. He's like, he's the, <laughs> you know, in a league which ma- mainly is African-American to have a, he's like all-star guy from the Utah Jazz, um, 
you know, he's played maybe, I guess, for five years or so. And uh, he used to play for the Jazz. And he was part of this trade. There's massive amounts of switch arounds um, for the summer. And he moved from the Jazz from Utah over to Boston. And he coupled up with a young man named Kyrie Irving, which you may or may not know was also traded from the Cavs, which is some of the rivalry of the game. None, uh, nice the point, backstory. The point some is... Some people might be lost, but yeah. you can just tune in right the now. The point is nice lots, of, lots of trades. And um, <laughs> and the big... One of the, one of the stages for the scene that's set in the first game is what is Boston going to do with these two players? So we get into the first game, Cavs versus Celtics. Celtics are the team with, with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And it's about, it's super sad, but about five minutes or six minutes into the game, uh, Gordon Hayward, the great white hype I was telling you about um, on the Celtics, goes up for an alley-oop dunk, I think misses it ultimately, because he's kind of, it's this awkward thing in in sports where like football or basketball where two opposing defending players kind of come at the right angle, one under, one on top, just enough with enough force to, not with a lot of, you know, aggression, but, but pull uh, Gordon Hayward in the air off balance so much so that he lands on his ankle and his ankle, I mean, his foot just went completely sideways. One of the more gruesome things you'll see as far as sports injuries. Technically, they say dislocated ankle, broken tibia. But if you can imagine, if you put your feet right in front of you and just go ahead and turn your left foot counterclockwise uh, about 25 minutes, (laughs) that was the angle of his foot. Yeah. So it was nasty, nasty, nasty. The thing that was worth mentioning for the connection component for me was the entire arena, which was Cleveland, Mm -hmm. was hushed but murmuring, like a a strange murmur throughout, what, 16,000 people. And I actually turned on the TV in the murmur, and the first thing I saw was LeBron James looked like he was crying head down. I thought he might be injured. Then I saw Dwayne Wade, another Cleveland Cav, and he looked like he was crying with his eyes closed, but almost in a prayerful state. And I, I literally didn't know what to do at that point. I genuinely, because of all the terrorism in the world, I thought maybe somebody rushed the court and someone mm-hmm. got hurt or maybe a, 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 a spectator got shot and killed. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was that dramatic. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the camera goes over. Not even commentators. Commentators mm-hmm. were even talking. Eventually, yeah. it goes over to Gordon Hayward. What was stunning to me was, I don't know that I've seen in a... Two teams competing that were, these were the two top teams in the East last year, competing. Those fans were there. The teams were there. But it seemed like everybody was about the one thing that happened. Mm -hmm. The Cavs were in game planning what to do next. The Celtics were in game. Everybody was mourning, if you will. Everybody got in on how gruesome the injury was, and everybody was for everybody. But everybody was for Gordon Hayward in that moment. The thing that was special to me was... I mean, guys, he went out on a stretcher, had his leg wrapped up. You couldn't even see the leg. It was so tied up. Yeah. But uh, LeBron James, again, if you don't know sports, he's a huge figure in the NBA, one of the most well-known athletes in the world, goes over and kneels down and holds Gordon's arm, and they're just exchanging. Dwayne Wade goes over and does the same thing. Opposing yeah, teammates, everybody room, was... Well. Yeah, even And they brought him actually to the Cleveland Cavaliers doctors first right. because that's their home arena. They had mm-hmm. better things. I mean, but everybody was all in, and it was... For that moment, humanity, mm-hmm. just being human, being a person, mm-hmm. race, Empathy. nothing mattered more than being with one another. Connection. It wasn't about it wasn't about winning a trophy. It wasn't about the score. It wasn't about any of that. It was about this could happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, though it hasn't happened to me, I could fathom this could happen to any of us at any point because it wasn't a dirty play by the opposing team. Yeah. And so what I want to say is the connection, the way that LeBron was communicating, the way that people were communicating. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody was matching the emotions of Gordon Hayward. What mm-hmm. they didn't, and I've seen injuries before, so have you. And the other team doesn't give a rip. They're kind of high fiving in football, like yeah. way to take them out. No one was happy. No one was joyful. Everybody was with Gordon Hayward in that moment. It looked like everyone was connected. Mm-hmm. Their communication looked connected. And it was just, to me, it was one of those special moments in sport that is terrifying but also remarkable yeah. how much um, uh, in it with them, empathetic, empathetic emotion, empathetic mm-hmm. action. Yeah. Went. And then we've seen it all over the NBA with Kobe Bryant, everybody just sending in, hey, praying for you, thinking of you, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. I mean, it was just, it's rare. Mm-hmm. It's rare to see that in such a... A high level of athletics. So what you just described, I mean, like you think about five minutes, like at the three-minute mark, if he got injured on the five-minute mark, at three-minute mark, all the crowd uh, is in 
quite uniquely to the five minute mark, completely, maybe not disconnected, but certainly not nearly as connected as after the injury. Right. They're worried about popcorn. They're worried about their cell phone. They're thinking about the score. They're rooting on two opposing teams. They're looking at the different narratives. They're and booing the Celtics teams. They're booing over the and over and over again. Yeah. That did not happen. And what, <laughs> after you, this. And what you're yeah. what you're describing is that because of one, you know, kind of very, um, very extreme event uh, that happened. The response to that event, because that event brought out empathy and connection and basically people kind of all responding to one event the same way, all headed in the same direction, all attention in the same direction, what was largely disconnection, which isn't necessarily negative, Mm -hmm. was instantly brought into connection. Mm -hmm. And that is a great segue because what we're talking about today is just because you're in a room of, let's say, I don't know, 30,000 or however many people were in that building, or in a room of three, Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that because you're in the room that you're looking at the same thing, that you're thinking about the same thing, that you're doing the same thing together, you can actually be more apart in a room, then, you know, you might as well be in a different room, right. you know, than, than actually being together. So being in the room doesn't necessarily mean that you're, quote, emotionally invested in the room, emotionally tied to the room, responsive. And that's what we want to talk about today is uh, last week, having talked about Christ-centeredness and looking at everyone with value through the lens of the cross and seeing them worth the death of Jesus and seeing them uh, and treating them the way that Christ treats us rather than the way that, you know, they, quote, deserve or we mm-hmm, think that mm-hmm. we deserve. That mindset is not just a thought, it's an action. It needs to look like something. And what we believe in terms of building community is God has expressed, and we're going to get to Acts 2 as well as other scriptures that come to mind, is God has has expressed oneness uh, in action through the process of togetherness, right. through the process of me choosing out of keeping my own thoughts, keeping my own belongings, keeping my own emotions away and apart from everybody else, even if I'm with them and present with them. And instead of being isolated, but choosing in to the moment, sharing emotion, Mm -hmm. sharing attention, sharing focus, sharing direction is how I would describe connection. Yeah. Well, podcast listener, why don't we throw that question to you? How would you define the word connection in the context of, I mean, specifically, let's get to it. Your city group, a small gathering, your marriage, your neighborhood, your athletic team, your workplace, how would you describe and define what connection is? And and potentially a follow-up to that is, could you rank it? One being no connection, 10 being the highest of connection. If you were to rate different areas, how well are you connecting with your spouse? How well are you connecting with your children? How well are your children connecting with you? How well are you connecting with your boss? How well is your boss connecting with you, your neighborhood, etc.? What I would love to say, these three legs of the stool of community, remember this is all about community, mm-hmm. and we're sharing life together in a Christ, well, you know, in a Christian context, in, a, in the family of God, we would say Christ-centered because he really shows us not only the glory of man, but the normal of man. And so if Christ is at the mm-hmm. center, it informs everything we do. Connection in that other leg, which will be next week, is communication. Connection is really, really important, and I, I would probably say it is uh, underrealized, um, looked over, mm. ignored, potentially just assumed. If I'm a Christian, I can say anything I want to you any way I want to you, because Christ is loving and truth is the most loving. But uh, even Jesus mm. valued how he communicated with people based on connection before he talked to a Samaritan woman and and gave her great communication. He was connecting with her at her level, et cetera. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but podcast listener, how would you define connection in just a few words or a sentence? Oliver, why don't you give us your working definition for what you think for this topic today, connection? Yeah, I'll do a definition, kind of an example that I thought of in in what I've seen in my world. But connection, I think, um, is the choice um, within the realm of kind of scarce resources and time and money and emotions. Like we only have a certain amount of time, belongings, possessions. We only have a certain scarcity of that. Um, We all have a decision. And once we're in a room or in a relationship, we have a decision to keep those things or share those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that connection um, happens when we decide to share those things. Now, of course, I understand that that's a two-way street and you can absolutely share without somebody not sharing back. So I want to be, you know, definitive of if we're actually given an exact definition, that connection happens when two people decide to share instead of to keep, when two people decide on oneness instead of otherness. I thought of in terms of an example in a very more acute or specific way, like, um, you know, I haven't been a part of this in a long time, but, you know, many of you are or have been in the dating world, Mm -hmm. and you've been on 
you know, let's say date A and date B, and you know at the end of that date, you could measure the level of connection, or maybe you'd say chemistry is another Mm -hmm. word for that or synonym of that date Mm -hmm. based on a million little things, not like any big statement that's being made. Nobody's saying anything mean or rejecting, but it's the subtle, nonverbal, what's not said, what is said, the body language that either builds bridges of connection or sort of... uh, you know, disconnects those bridges or disconnects those, those, um, human interactions. So things like eye contact, things like, you know, one word responses versus longer responses, things like, you know, active listening, things like, you know, being on the phone or not on the phone and so forth. These are all, um, small, but super significant in the long run in defining and, um, and cultivating and nurturing, you know, connection between any two individuals. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be just guy and girl, but Father, son, relationship, yeah. friend, mailman, yeah. bank teller, every one of these you could rate on a yeah. level of qualitative relationship how much mutual connection was being built and shared yeah. in any given interaction. So in a sentence, connection defined. Shared shared stuff, yeah. shared emotion, shared heart, shared thoughts. Yeah. That's what connection is. I would say for my definition that it is a convergence of my life and yours. Mm-hmm. And a big word, an important word that you said that I would... I want to include in my definition, it's the choice to converge our lives together. It's the choosing, the progressive, proactive choosing to find commonness, common ground. Even if that looks like me hearing your story and I go, hey, I want to meet you there. I don't understand. Yeah. So an example of my life, I just met a man in his late 60s from Detroit Mm -hmm. and moved down here about a decade and a half ago. I am... A, a so he's a, a black African American, probably sixty seven years old. Grew up in a rough town in Detroit. Children incarcerated. Has now adopted his biological grandchildren. So he's the father of them, and and the father of his incarcerated children. Uh, and I am a Caucasian, thirty nine year old from South Florida. Mm-hmm. So really, probably not going to find common ground. But as we talked, mm-hmm. and I made a choice. Yeah. Not just That's to talk, I made key. a choice to connect. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were able to actually find our stories to be very similar. Why? Family, children, adoption, me too. Um, so much so that our connection was so strong that he used communication to describe it and said, you understand me better than, and he was using language like my people eventually said, you as a white man understand black culture. Mm-hmm. And eventually he just, he, I mean, got so far to say, where do you go to church? Is it like you in that way? And my point is, mm-hmm. he too made a choice to entrust me with his life, but I moved, and if you will, Oliver and podcast listener, when someone tells a story, do you just stay at your address mm-hmm. in your life or do you go to their house? Do yeah. you walk to their room? Great. Do you That's go to Detroit? So for me, I was going to Detroit. I was going to jail, visiting his son. I was raising his kids with in him. Mentally. In mentally. Mentally, yeah. yes. Yeah. But in that regard, it you might be surprised how willing people are to take you there. Right. So great. I didn't assume he was married to these women that had been helping. So I, I would ask questions like, hey, is this your wife? Or And eventually I stopped because I, I understood culture. I didn't want to assume. I said, is there a woman who helps you out raising these kids? And he mm-hmm. says, I've got a lady who stays with me, lady friends. And mm-hmm. I said, cool. I described them as lady friends. Mm-hmm. So my point is, my definition would be an, a proactive choosing to live where you live. When you tell me the story, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go, huh, that's weird. I came from South Florida and I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I, sorry, I did that. I, you know, I'm not sure what personalities <laughs> went to, but I just think it's foolish to, yeah. s- you know, so often we, we think through our own lens and the problem, I don't, that's not wrong, but connection means I'm going to meet you at a place. Mm-hmm. And then Oliver, if you're telling me about your culture, mm-hmm. For me to actually follow up after you tell me about your culture and mm-hmm. for me just to tell you about mine, mm-hmm. yeah, that can help connection. But I, why don't I live where you just told me about for a while and understand it well? Mm-hmm. Usually that will say, hey, I feel like you really met me where I am. How did you know to do that? And they might not just be asking syntax of the how, but they're just saying, what about you? Mm. So I, I know podcast listener, are you, are you that person or do you know a person who you quick, when you're listening to people, mm-hmm. you're just thinking about not what yourself, not being selfish, but what am I going to say? Mm-hmm. And you might even think, how do I connect with this? I would encourage you. That's not the best first question is not how do I connect with this, but why are they allowing me to connect with them on this and ask and, and ask for permission to get close in that way, verbally, uh, emotionally, like you talked mm-hmm. about matching emotions. Those mm-hmm. are going to be some of our takeaways, but connection is 
a, a concerted, proactive choice to go where they're willing to let you go. Mm. Uh, an illustration of this, Oliver, for me, that I learned a long time ago from my uh, father-in-law who's gone on to be with the Lord physically and, and spiritually, he just said, when you need to communicate something heavy with somebody, imagine you're on two different um, parts of land and there's a bridge in between. Connection is in investments that you've made with them, yeah. like planks of wood that you throw down. And if the communication or the thing you want to say is heavy or difficult or will hurt right. that person, and you're, you have to meet in the middle of the bridge, have you laid down enough equity, enough relational trust that you could drive a huge truck of information across and park it in the middle mm. and the bridge wouldn't collapse? Connection is those boards mm-hmm. that you can bring across next week, the communication that might hurt at times. Yeah. So podcast listener, uh, we'd love to hear what your definition of connection is because it's important for us to think about, but it's essential for healthy community. Yeah. I mean, one thing that you might be thinking at this point is like, aren't we just talking about the essence of community? Why does there need to be three parts? Isn't this the only part? Like be kind, be understanding, be empathetic. I think Chris, you did a great job there of differentiating really from this topic to the next, which is communication isn't always verbal, right. uh, and a lot of relationship, right. if we just expect it's going to be this this speech, or because I said I do sometime way back when, or because I say I love you at the end of phone calls, that that means that I love you, mm. that's a false assumption. Just mm-hmm. because I'm willing to throw things across, let's say, the barrier that you're talking about with your father-in-law, um, but I'm not necessarily willing to help build a strong infrastructure and a bridge to spend the time, right. the investment, the, the all of the kind of non-verbal relational things that happen between people that build trust or take away trust, then I'll never be able to walk that communication across to say I do in a way that matters, to say I love you in a way that matters. Absolutely. Um, And so I hear you saying that that's a choice to build. It's a daily decision, and it's the small things more than really even the the big, you know, anniversary dates or the Valentine's Days, If again, if we go back to the romantic side of things, yeah. that all, ultimately are the the win and the and the loss of connection. But Yeah, I mean, some of the enemies of, of connection, which we mm. would say, you know, how, what's a disconnected relationship look like? I mean, it's it's simple stuff. You're not listening. You're, you're rushing. You're not making time for people. You're cutting them off. You're looking around. You're on your phone. Mm. I mean, some of us can multitask, mm. and I'm not saying that it's impossible to be on the phone mm-hmm. texting or doing something and you're not listening, but oftentimes that is a divided focus. There's plenty of things that I'm sharing with somebody that I'm emotional or sad or scared and, I, and mm-hmm. you being distracted could really kill our communal connection in that moment. Um, s- silence, meaning you're not giving any feedback, mm-hmm. being offended, one word response, mm, yeah, versus actually saying things. These are, these are killers of it. These, these, actually take boards away if you want to use that illustration yeah. where literally somebody's putting a board out and it doesn't hit your side of the bridge sure. and it literally will just fall. Sure. You know, I like how you talk about the infrastructure. It's going to bounce off a lot of things and test the infrastructure in that regard. Mm-hmm. So these these things are, you know, they they communicate my the connection through communication doesn't matter to me. Yeah. To some degree, whatever. I mean and listen, we're not we're not judging anybody on the other line of this podcast. We're not yeah. saying, "Hey, if you're doing these things, you don't care about people." We're just saying these are Ways in which you can say connecting with you is mm. important to me. Mm. Present company is my priority yeah. is, is really what that's saying. And that really goes a long way to build connection. Biblically, I, can't, I couldn't think of, Chris, a better, more like vibrant, um, full expression of what faith would look like in the context of connection than Acts chapter 2, which mm-hmm. is actually a very, you know, cliche almost, sure. overused scripture and passage, but honestly, a very under-practiced one. Um, if, if I really... Th- Think about it thoroughly of the implications of what it means in Christ to have fellowship. Because fellowship, you know, like we always say, like Ross and, and Phoebe and, and Chandler, like, <laughs> you know, fellowship and connection outside of Christ, that's not what we're talking about. What we're aiming for really is Acts 2, fellowship centered on Christ. Again, this podcast doesn't matter without the third one, but it also really doesn't matter without the first one. And so right. I highly encourage you again as a segue, yeah. go back and listen to the first one. This is a, we're on how, you know, really the first one was a lot about the why we would choose in and why we would build bridges and why we would be one with one another. But why don't I, I read this and okay. then why don't you make some comments yeah, about yeah, it? Go for I mean, it. this yeah. is a significant passage for you in your life and a, a banner verse for this topic. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you have your Bible, you can open it, but I'm going to read it to you. Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read 42 through 47, and then Oliver will hand it over to you to make comments about it. Uh, and these people who were had just trusted in Christ gathered people, all different kinds of people, by the way. Yeah. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the fellowship 
to the breaking of bread and prayer. So they're sharing meals together. They were doing spiritual things together. They were talking about the things they were learning, but I mean, key word there for me, devoted. And verse 43, and all came upon every soul. People are like, whoa, wow. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I mean, there's fruit. There's things like wow and wonder, and there's fruit coming from it. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and they had everything in common. It's a beautiful sounding community. Verse 45, they were actually selling their possessions and belongings. Why do they do that? So they could distribute the proceeds to anybody who had a need. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple, doing spiritual worshipful things together, they attended the temple together, and they broke bread in their homes. They shared meals, and they received their food together with gladness and generous hearts. In the last verse, verse 47, they praised God, and they had favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number by day those who were being saved or those who were being joining the family, being mm-hmm. in community. Yeah, I guess because the, the initial benefits of being alone and being isolated or the feeling of I'm going faster or further or I'm having mm-hmm. less problems or upside down, like a lot of that initially builds gravity and pull and temptation for me personally, I'm sure... I mean, all of us to some degree um, have reason to pull away and to mm-hmm. not share and mm-hmm. to keep, right? So I think this scripture is it preaches so loud against that narrative, mm-hmm. um, if only again to address again the why. We do want to consult how very quickly in this podcast, but I just want to point everybody's attention or our attention on just the very limited, if any, unshared space, physical, oh, spiritual, yeah. you know, emotional you know, it is nobody really clear in that need. passage. You're there's, right. There's almost no, if it's a Venn diagram of shared versus mm-hmm. not shared, there's almost no margin of mm-hmm. individualism, which mm-hmm. is, unfortunately, you know, we have to be very careful about the way that we consider our kingdom culture. Is that a derivative of our American culture or mm-hmm. the Bible, what the Holy Spirit culture ultimately is saying in Acts 2? Because if we look at that as the pinpointed target I think we all have got room to grow, and I think that it continues to encourage us and paint a landscape for us of something better and a life better lived mm. together than than separate. So I know that's uh, that again is could be maybe even taken as lofty or as idealistic, but it just it it preaches that the very essence and basis of unity isn't just unity of mind, but unity of space and of relationship. Wow. It just insists that I can't do my quiet time by myself, and you do your quiet time by myself, and then maybe get together uh, once in a while and call that ecclesia, call that church. Mm. This is this is imperatively demanding, I feel like, mm. in a good way, in a challenging way, in saying, look, your faith expressed needs to be sharing of more of just than theology. It when, needs to be a sharing of of food, of of time, of laughter, of, yeah. of fellowship is right. the key word in the er- opening verse. When you mentioned Venn diagram, for any of you listeners who aren't familiar with mm. that image, imagine Oliver with his job description as the equipping pastor at City Lights, and me, Chris Armfield, and my job description as the lead pastor, we have, and you imagine those as, uh, like, let's just imagine two, like, two plates or two 12-inch circles in front of you, and just move those things over to one another, but they're, and they only overlap maybe in that middle section of maybe three inches wide. A Venn diagram would show where our, our actions intersect and where they are very separate, and Oliver, what you expressed is it's like the plates all are, are stacked on top of each other, and they all help each other. It's a, that was a really cool picture that you're describing when you said Venn diagram. I thought about that. Mm. And you're right. I mean, meals, mm. uh, hey, are you going to worship together? together? They were worshiping. The money that was in the bank right. accounts, it wasn't how much do you have, how much do I have. It was how much do we have right. who has a need. I can cover it. I mean, just So then unique abilities and gifts, rather than separate us or we look at the differences and we place envy or covetousness or... Um, hunger or thirst or any form of dichotomies or separation. It was literally a merger of all things. And it it reminded me, and I was listening to you, Oliver, it reminded me of when Paul describes the body of Christ, saying Mm -hmm. every part is valuable, the same care needs to be taken, and the things that are more uh, vulnerable need extra care, and the things that don't are more presentable. And so, I mean, it's, it's like this. And if you think about that, every part of our bodies is affected. I mean, it's a lot like, I mean, the Gordon Hayward injury, the yeah. whole arena was affected. Boston fans, Cleveland right. fans, Boston players, Cleveland players, Boston's doctors, Cleveland's doctors, everybody yeah. became 
a, like part of one another yeah. in that moment. And in Christ, Christ-centeredness, by the way, just a, it's a small mention, but Christ-centered community doesn't just mean that we say bless you and we pray before we eat and we, and we mention Jesus' name. Christ community could look like, and Christ-centeredness could look like, you don't actually read Acts, you don't open the Bible, you don't say, well, Lord bless you, but you demonstrate yeah, yeah, yeah. generosity, Great. kindness, etc. So I just want to mention, because we are in the Southern culture, I do not think City Lights is a representation of a lot of Southern culture mm-hmm. churches. It truly is informed, not because we read the Bible or we say bless you, but it's a demonstration, not just a communication through words. Yeah. So in that, Oliver, I just thought Venn diagram strong, but yeah. also the body of Christ, they represent it. And you're right. I don't know exactly how the heart helps the lungs and the lungs is helping the bladder, but I believe somehow they all work in sync yeah. because if one thing goes down, yeah. the whole body goes down. And I look at this and and it's cool to say, rather than what would we do together? It's more of what would we be doing separately mm. from one another versus Great. what would we do together? Let's find common ground. I would rather say like, hey, is there any reason we wouldn't share with all these things? Mm-hmm. And this passage goes, no, Yeah, there isn't a difference in that. I want my liver to work really, really well with my kidneys. I'm not sure how they work out, but they know, and I want to help that work. I'm ready to do the myth of the day. Yeah, we we're ready for it. sure of what we're it ready. was, but I feel like from this conversation that's yeah. been sifted out, I feel like if I had to nail it down today for a myth and a truth. Uh, the myth to me would be that um, community is just about sharing faith. Hmm. And the truth would be community is about sharing life. You know, okay. Christ-centered community is is more than just, I'm going to share ideas and we're going to say amen to the same prayers and sing the same songs yeah. and share the same Christ. That is a basis and a foundation, but what's a foundation without a building on top of it? I'm hearing you say, let's converge our Venn diagram as much as yeah, we can yes. and think about what in my life can I share more of? Not the question of what's the least I need to share, what's the most I can share, um, trusting, knowing that there's provision and blessing um, on the other side of oneness rather than otherness. And so less of mine, more of ours, less of yeah. me, more of me too. You know, that kind of convergence of our Venn diagrams, that's the challenge I sense from this scripture is how much more of my life can I get not just to give and just sacrifice, but in the connection shared space that I mutually enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, how much more can we share together? I, when I just heard you make those, the myth and the truth, I was thinking how maybe the intentionality is to not assume, but believe togetherness, believe unity, mm-hmm. believe we belong to one another, believe those things and live into those things, learn those things, live into those things. And it's less of, hey, should I converge my Venn diagram and plate with you? Should I figure out how my organ works with you? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't want to get too strong and say it's a command, mm-hmm. but it is, I will say it further than that, it is true. Mm-hmm. It is real. Uh, we do belong to one another. Mm-hmm. Jesus only has one bride, mm-hmm. and I'm not choosing out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't exist. Oliver, you don't exist. Podcast listener, you alone actually to be quite blunt, theologically, yeah. Chris Armfield is not the bride of Christ. Mm. Chris Armfield is part yeah. of the bride of Christ. Yeah. So if Chris Armfield exercises and disciplines and does his things in consecration really well as the bride, I am actually m- misguided. Yeah. I'm short-sighted. And it doesn't work that way. Because Christ, you know, though we, we really have in the last hundred years, the Christianity and Christendom is is really individualized faith and individualize your, quote, personal relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And though you can't help but experience it as your own, you are actually part of the body. And it's not just 2017 or the last 40 years. Mm. It goes behind you, like people when we quote from a Charles Spurgeon to the Apostle Paul to uh, John Bunyan, whoever. We might be people, those people are part of me too. And their historical story and testimony matters. And podcasters are your present tense testimony. You moving your Venn diagram in, you moving and understanding what part of the body you are and choosing in to not only be healthy yourself, but check in on the other parts of the body. I feel like, Oliver, we're talking about normalcy. Mm -hmm. So to say it's a command means we've misunderstood, but it's the foundation. It's baseline is that, for me to actually be a healthy body part, I'm not only doing my part, but I'm helping and ensuring you're doing yours as well. Not as, not like a weird accountability or account on the disability, yeah. but saying we actually belong together is not a choice. It's already true. Yeah. 
So I'm actually going to, it would be cool if Christianity was, the problem would be when we're choosing out of community rather Mm -hmm. than the struggle of choosing into it. Mm -hmm. Because really, unity is actually biblically defined as a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's actually given to us. We're actually to maintain (laughs) the unity versus work towards it. So if we could try and land this into a current, you know, 2017 context, we're at a party, we're at a bus stop, we're on a bus going to Sierra Nevada, and Mm -hmm. we're meeting somebody for the first time, and we don't necessarily have disconnection, but we don't yet have connection. This podcast should, if it's done right, focus on that how, that next step, that clear Mm. kind of priority set that I would want to approach my relationships with, my family with. Um, Let's talk through a couple of the bullet points that we have down here in terms of not exhaustive, but a couple of maybe principles that have been um, helpful to both of us in the past. Sure. Uh, You know, the first one I had down here was just about finding that common ground. Like, I, I think that would hit home earlier in our illustration with yeah. uh, with the bus driver that you were sharing about um, this last Sunday is recognizing there's so much differences, and I would dare to say cosmetic, surface-level differences that oftentimes are significant enough, whether it's color, race, age, you know, whoever else, different preferences and so forth, the clothes that you have on, right. that, that get to be hang-ups for me to make me imagine the myth that mm-hmm. there's nothing there that we have connection on when that's a complete yeah. fabrication. That's silly. The human experience right. is so consistent over time. Right. And so, you know, help me, help us, you know, understand what does it look like to you to try and find that common ground of, uh, of me too and really meet people where they're at mm-hmm. when it comes to a relationship that's Mm-hmm. Again, not pioneered and fostered mm-hmm. in the way of connection yet. How yeah. Do we, how do we do that? Well, one, um, choose to go, choose to ask about somebody, choose to know them more than just surface level. Yeah. And one of the ways you do that is once you get a little bit, say, can you tell me more about this? Mm-hmm. And and listen, I've, I've actually never even been to Detroit. I've never been African-American. I'm, I'm not 67. My son is not incarcerated. So you can actually say, Chris, you have nothing in common with that guy. However... When he was sharing about his son being incarcerated, I said, how did that, how does that make you feel? Mm. And he goes, well, Chris, he's still in prison. And I was like, oh, he's been in prison for 10 plus years. Yes. Well, how do you feel about that? Mm. And he said, well, you know, he needs to be an adult and take care of his own things. And I was like, wow, so you're really not enabling him. He's like, no. And I go, wow. All of a sudden, we had a new topic, Mm. enablement. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a new topic of... Uh, though I don't have a, a son incarcerated, I, I know what it, the temptation to enable somebody who's making poor decisions, mm. which happens with my own 14-year-old son. Yeah. So just because on the surface, you use that word cosmetic, I didn't know what you meant, but you're just talking about something on the surface. Sure, yeah. And so I, I just, the human, we're all experienced, we're all under the same sun, we're yeah. all under the same moon, little nod and, and head nod and shout out to Five Goes West, we're all <laughs> under the same bright stars. And to think that tragedy doesn't feel the same to people, that joy doesn't feel the same to people, that hope doesn't have to be identical, mm-hmm. but ask, tell me more, tell me more, tell me yeah, more, tell me more. I like that. So I just think when you discover common ground, it's not on the surface. Mm-hmm. We all, Frankly, Oliver, me and that guy only probably went, only had to go one more level deep. But do you know when you just say, tell me more about this? Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like for you? Did you see yourself in a situation? So like that follow question, did you imagine when you got married and had three kids that you'd find yourself in the situation at 67? Yeah. No, Chris, I didn't think that my son and daughter would be incarcerated and blah, 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 blah. And I went, huh, I've been in situations too where I didn't think I was going to be in the spot when I was in. Yeah. You know, and that person may ask what were those like or not. If they're petty compared to the heavy emotion of what he's dealing with, I'm not going to share that, but I could at least say, huh, I haven't experienced what you've experienced, but I've, man, I've been in situations where I felt like enabling someone, and I've been in situations where I was just shocked that I was where I was, and he went, really? Mm. And I went, yeah. So what are you going to do when he gets out, you know, and then just start talking about somebody and, you know, talking about things. So discovering common ground is not uncommon. It's not that hard to do. I will say, podcast listener, if I could say as a counselor, which I do a lot of, or just a person who really likes to connect with people, I just want to encourage you, try to not let you dominate the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that just means try to grow in some self-awareness. Mm. Simple things, practicals, Oliver, you do great with these. Maybe journal some mm. more. Uh, think about your thoughts and then read your thoughts. Who are those things about? What are they about? The, sometimes we can be a black hole where everything caves in about us. Be aware of self, but only in as much as that it helps you connect with that other person. And yeah. ask them if it connects. Yeah. Don't just say, oh, I know what that means. That's, that's kind of a presumptuous statement to go, oh, I know how you feel. Unless you two have had a child that's incarcerated for X, Y, and Z, you yeah. can compare stories then. But finding common ground, ask permission if it's the same, and ask one level deep, how does it feel? How do you feel now? How, what are you thinking and dreaming about with that situation? How can I help? Yeah. How can I help is saying, I'm willing to get in that with you. Mm-hmm. So to me, these are, you know, Oliver, you and I talk about it privately in our friendship. That's just, that's just to be human. Mm-hmm. That's just, those kind of thoughts are just mm-hmm. to be human in my opinion. Well, one thing I would nuance, because I'm hearing you as you're talking about tell me more. That's the parameter of the question yeah. and discussion. I think that's a powerful statement, which just solicits, I'm interested, I value, and I'm going to listen to anything that's shared and steward anything yep. that's shared. I think on the other side of that, if you're talking about going to their house, um, I don't know what the analogy would be, but you're also uh, you're also maybe keeping track of the roads that you took to get there. Right. Because when you say, oh, here's the entitlement th- uh, thought or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. discussion, or here is the race discussion maybe, or whatever discussion that kind of comes up, I do think it is good and healthy not to dominate, but to gen- be genuine in opening and uncovering the different doors, like if you go down the hallway with them in their house, to open or knock on the door that, you know, you sense there might be a connection behind. Because sure. I think that, you know, I've definitely been in places on a pastoral level where I'd, I want to go 100-0 and definitely meet people where they're at. With. That's what that's what yeah. I mean by 100-0. But I, I've, I've gotten feedback before where people have told me, you're just you're kind of asking me just a lot of questions, and I'm not really sure what the purpose of those questions are, or mm. kind of are you sincere in those things? Or are you just trying to, you know, make me a, a project or something like that? You know, like yep. that's kind of the feedback that I've gotten before, um, based on maybe not asking great questions. And so what I found is like, for example, a Freddie Biggers, who guy, if you guys don't know Freddie, he's in my small group. I mean, just a quick, you know, bio bio here. He's like, you know, five ten, could probably just like my his bicep as big as my body that's all you need to know and he's just a really big dude and like again on the surface level maybe you don't have a lot of commonality but as we started to talk about his journeys into asia and his mutual interest in in martial arts and his living in japan and visiting hong kong the place that i was born my natural curiosity and and my open door of my heart starts to naturally evolve and the process process of that connection became so easy and simple instead of um you know, having to fake an interest, of which I'm sure we've all been there before. Right. It's kind of just faking an interest in something to try and yep. stir up the connection and make sure that it's there. Well, then the, the the connection, because I've been intuitive about which places I've decided to kind of prod into for discussion's sake, open up naturally and mutually my interest as well. Right. And so that creates this kind of, na- I think God has designed us to find, again, that common ground. We're more alike than separate. Yep. Whether it's martial arts or movies or films or, right. or race or kids, we have a lot more in common right. to talk about. It's just a matter of, are we willing to do the diligence of discovering it together? Yep. So that's and, what I hear. And uh, it's a, I have a friend named Peter, and about probably a decade ago when we started hanging out, he would describe himself as a hard-driven uh, kind of a stony guy, not emotional at all, and I've just seen him grow so much and blossom into who he is. He didn't change. Mm. He's he's grown into being a more Christ-like human who's interacting with people really well. But early in our friendship, he'd go, do you really feel that? And I went, yeah. And he goes, I don't have feelings like that. Mm. And he connected. Yeah. He connected by saying, I don't have any of that. Can you tell me about that? Can you teach me? Hey, do you think there's hope for me? He valued that I had emotions. Or sometimes he'd go, why, why do you have such strong feelings about that? And I went, well, it matters because X, Y, Z. And he goes, wow, I don't have those emotions. And I wonder if people don't feel valued around me. So, and it, it was a friendship where it was okay for him to make it about him in that regard. But now I see him not that person anymore. But it, if you knew him 10 years ago, you would never think he would be emotional yeah. or, or soft. But I think it's really powerful just to confess Hey, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't see that. Can you help me understand why you ask that question or what makes you interested? Are you really interested in me? Um, are, do you really care about that? And yeah. you kind of mentioned that when you were asking somebody questions, sure. they eventually said, they probably were reading going, I haven't 
am I answering the question right for you? Because I'm not yeah. sure why you're asking. Because yeah. like, what's your checklist? What's your point? Yeah. And potentially that was someone holding up a mirror to you, going, "I don't know what you're doing with my information." Yeah. You know, and you are a processor. You had purpose, and you're probably going to celebrate those commonalities and the things you loved about that person, but it might be a week later. Sure. Or when you're on a podcast, you're going, or, I love this you know, person. Am I trying to make the person feel cared for versus do I actually, actually care, care for them? You know, right? that's two separate things. Asking questions doesn't just care for somebody. Absolutely. And so actually your, your last comment about like just bringing up the difference and celebrating it. That's our second point today. Podcast listener is just finding those differences and realizing those actually don't mean that just because we're different doesn't mean right. we can't connect. We right. can actually, it's just a matter of lensing it to celebrate the differences versus seeing those differences as, as negative. Yep. So for example, you know, I think there is a value to stopping in a conversation and being like, you know what? I'm, I'm different from that. You know, tell me more about your perspective because I've seen it this way. I've, I know, right. especially certain personalities, they mm-hmm. see that as the beginning of connection because that's actually Absolutely. when we're being real. It's, it's, um, it's a raw piece and a raw piece literally intersecting. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's open-ended edges of our relationship and personality and saying, can we graft these in together? Yeah. Not only togetherness, but help help form me. Yeah. But then <laughs> automatically you're forming a bond with each other too. Yeah. So add on to this, you know, I'm just going to kind of... Uh, process this as I go. But I mean, my experience with, with that is that I've probably leaned too far into the connection world and almost faked an emotion or faked something to uh, exaggerate the similarity when really there's probably more difference uh, in that category, in that discussion than, um, than similar. Tell me about what's, what are some cues for you or what are some you know uh, approaches for you when you come into a, a line of communication or part of the discussion or conversation that is a little bit different um, you know, how do you, you know, communicate or how do you mm-hmm. share at that point for you, which you feel like can you make differences become, when there's diversity, when there's diversity, yeah. how do you celebrate difference? Well, well how in about, your how about experience? one way not to celebrate it? Well, when somebody's telling a story <laughs> or they do something and you go, ma'am, we're so alike, or, um, you say, you know, I totally get you or, uh, we're, I feel like you're telling my story. Now, it yeah. doesn't mean you don't feel that, but you genuinely... You're assuming a lot. You're assuming a lot. You made yeah. it about yourself, and it really devalues their story a little bit. Um, it's assuming that that one conversation you had, you know everything you need to know about that person, and uh, it can be a little bit offensive, frankly. The liver mm-hmm. doesn't need to say that to a lung ever. <laughs> and frank, Frankly, just because they're appreciating each other's story doesn't mean that the liver should forfeit its lungness or the lung should forfeit its liverness. So, you know, like, don't do that. I've I've had people do that to me. That's the reason I'm saying that. Mm. I've shared something. They go, we're so alike. This makes so much sense. And I I watch that person or someone overhears that and they'll come to me that's close to me and go, that person is so different than you. Why did they? So only only thing I'm saying is please don't tell somebody how much you are like that person. Sure. (laughs) If that's true, that person may discover that and then validate you understanding and empathizing with their world. So the guy that I connected with, on the outward, we don't have any overlap or similarities. I can't walk away and tell him when we're talking and go, hey... My new friend, I understand mm-hmm. black culture and I understand what it means right. to be, but I will never totally understand what it looks like to be a minority on the outward. That statement alone is a Absol- huge connection And so builder. when, and then yeah. when, when that he or she goes, no, you do, I'll go, well, what makes you say that? And they'll right. go, because you said X, Y, Z. And I go, I got that because I'm listening to you mm-hmm. and you did such a great job communicating it right. that it made me want to, it helped me understand. And they go, well, you're a good listener. And I yeah. go... Well, we connected in that regard. So as much as I want people to feel connected and I want to feel connected to people, for me to tell that person (laughs) that I'm like them and they're like me is just, ah, I don't know. There's no organ that needs to say that to another organ. Just don't do that. So I'm just trying to save you from, from... from hurt, maybe offending or cut, actually cutting connection in that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, how about a positive example would would just be, hey, am I understanding this right? If yeah. I were to articulate this back in my own words, is this what you're saying? Oliver, you do a great job of this. I I feel like this is what I hear you saying. Is this correct? And they go, you nailed that. Yep, it doesn't mean good. all of a sudden that you have a an Asian card in the back of your pocket that says, I understand Asian or yeah. I understand Jamaican. Or I, and listen, it's beautiful to understand the one or two of the 16,000 different people groups on earth. That's great. But let that people group say, you're one of us and tell them why. But 
that doesn't give you permission to go around doing that. You remember the Seinfeld episode where mm-hmm. the guy technically like marries somebody that's oh, Jewish yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah, yeah. finds out there's one tries to Jewish. Make all the Jewish and jokes, so yeah. he starts telling these extremely offensive right. Jewish jokes, and right. Jerry is Jewish, and he's like, "You can't do you this." Can't he's do like, that. "Yeah, I can't. I'm Jewish." And you're like, "No." no. Yeah. And that's that's heightened even what we're talking about. But anyway, I connections easy. I want to just say as an encouragement, connection is easier than you think um, when you actually focus on other people rather than yourself. Connection's a lot easier than you think, and yeah. don't assume connection's happening. Ask about it. Ask for the right to, to have more connection with people, um, and you'll know. Someone will tell you if, you're, if they feel loved, listened to, affirmed. They will tell you. Even a poor communicator yeah. will tell you. Even the roughest of toughest of men yeah. will tell you in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, we had kind of that third point, and I think for the sake of balance and geometry, oftentimes we like to have the third point, but I feel like we've we've really discussed and unearthed a lot of, you know, what we've wanted to talk about. What I've heard you say and what we've talked about today, Chris, is that, you know, um, Christ-centered community or the community that we see flourishing after Pentecost, the first expression of Holy Spirit in the midst of people is not just synchronized or, uni- un- you know, unified in thinking and in faith, but unity in action actual life in mm-hmm, sharing mm-hmm. of actual possession. Right. I think that connection is is really the place where I, you know, otherness turns into oneness and really my preference, my my property, my personality, all of that kind of lowers in its value to my value of you. Mm-hmm. And so if I love you the way Christ loves me, that has to look like something. And I think that in the Bible and in Acts 2 and in life, the way that we've seen it, although it's not easy to, to actually, you know, create and cultivate, we've seen that the best way to, to show and demonstrate and, and nurture value in somebody else is to create connection, is to build bridges, yeah. to say, I'm better with you than apart from you. And that's not just a a saying that I'm going to put in my head or a bumper sticker I'll put on my car, but that's an actual practice and an ethos of life. It mm-hmm. should affect Sunday through Sunday, not mm-hmm. just, you know, should affect all seven days of the week, not just one. And so, um, yeah, this is, this is our prayer. This is our, our heart and the big, and you know, add anything that you hear, Chris, but the big, you know, steps that I just heard us really just have to do with meeting people, you know, where they're at. I loved your analogy yeah, of just right. going to their house. Right. Um, and so that's matching of emotion. That's finding the commonality, Good. the common ground. That's mm-hmm. celebrating the differences. Good. But just that's it. even apart from preference, I value you. Walk it's in not their about, shoes with them. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's I'm going to be with you and that's I'm great. going to be, I, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost me, even in terms of my opinion. I'm mm-hmm. going to, I love you more than being right in my mm-hmm. own opinion. So I'm going to forfeit mm-hmm. all of this stuff because I'm elevating not you above the Lord, of course, but you above my stuff is mm-hmm. a really wonderful place to put people mm-hmm. in terms of value and priority. So that's what yep. I heard uh, today in terms of how to build connection or how not to build it. Yep. Here's, I'll just give you two practical sentences. You talk to somebody, say, tell me more about this yep. or tell oh, me more yeah. about you. And then when they're done, I'm not just, don't just feed this line, but I appreciate that about you. Mm. I appreciate this about you. Rather than I love that about you or I like that about you or you're like me, just say, I appreciate that about you. Mm. Meaning I'm, I'm thankful that you're like that. So listen, connection will really build fast and helpfully Huge. say, tell me more about you. Tell me more about this. How do you feel about it? I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. Rather than I know what that's like. I've been there too. Yeah. It just steals. Yeah. You know? So listen, podcast listener, people choosing into community, choosing into unity, keep going. Mm-hmm. I promise you this. I've asked Jesus Christ himself, can I opt out of community? Because I'll just confess, I have been so hurt by people mm. in my life. Mm. And I'm sure there are people, if they're on their own podcast, would be thinking of me and they say, <laughs> I've been so hurt by people and they have my face in mind. Uh, that's not mm. a justification. That's just a confession. Mm. Every time I've asked Jesus about it, he so gently matched my emotion and my mm-hmm. thought and just said, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too, Chris. I, I've been through this. I'm with you mm-hmm. in this, and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Not worth it as a reward and payoff here. It's worth it because the lung, the heart, the veins, the sinews, the bones all belong to one another. So I don't want you to think of Gordon Hayward's injury, but I want you to think about when something took place that everybody in the room was in it together. Mm -hmm. Only one person got injured, Mm -hmm. but everybody else, no one else said, me too. They said, with you. And that's significant. We love you, podcast listeners. We look forward to next episode with you. Oliver, always a pleasure being with you in the upper room. Always blessed. Always a pleasure. Much love. Adios. Adios.